Deuce, deuce. Episode 22, Christian Joseph, Badass Records. What is going on? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm good, man. So, yeah. Badass Records. Yeah. Badass Records Podcast, the BRP. Cool name. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it's such a cool name that I have uh, my lone non-digital uh branding piece over there on the table which is the uh it's it's got uh electrical tape and it's uh like a lucky charms cereal box <laughs> <laughs> looks professional doesn't it yeah um man you um like i mentioned i mean i knew about the hair because of the ribbon cutting um but i did not know about the ink um how much ink did you have the last time i saw you you've always had one or two pieces right yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't keep track of it by date, but uh, no, I know. But you've not had a sleeve your whole life. That's true. Okay, what? Uh, bring me up to speed. Where are these? Because you were, uh, you know, the proverbial. Uh, I don't want to say tailored suit, but nice suit, briefcase, toting, corporate guy, fancy card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, where did the ink inspiration? So I, I mean, I, I, st- I still do the buttoned up version sure. from time to time. <clears throat> uh, you remember that commercial in the, I think it was the early 2000s. That it was Hard Rock Cafe and they'd show like guys playing with their kids or whatever. And then the sleeve would creep up and there'd be a tattoo and at the, at the bottom of the, the, the commercial it says, we know who you are. No, right? not at all. You don't remember that. Mm-mm. Huh? And it, you know, there's one, there's one where he had like tattoo on his ankle or something. It was a skull and it was, it was kind of saying like, you, you could still have this family sure. life. You could still have this buttoned up life, but underneath all that, we, we know who you really are. So my point in saying that this, this is who I really am. Okay. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a hard rocker, motorcycle riding tattoo. What's your, loving. what's your, you have one bike, right? I have one bike. And yeah. what is it? That's a 2020, uh, deluxe, soft tail deluxe. Is it throaty? Is it loud? Oh, yeah. It's got some right annoying loud. Uh, it depends on what you mean by annoying. What, like you know, I mean when you, when you one of those goes by, your your natural reaction is to be like, really, hmm. I, like so yeah. loud, like that it's almost like you want to cover. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's louder than a fish concert, I would say. Mm, I doubt it, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's got it's it's got pipes on it. Okay, and so. You know, there's there's some school of thoughts on that, right? Like there's a there's a bumper sticker T-shirt. It's loud pipes save lives. Mm. You know, like it's very recognizable that there is a motorcycle on the street yeah. because you hear it and everybody yeah. looks around oh, to see where it's for going. For sure, for sure. Okay. So there's, that's one piece yeah. to it, and then the other piece to it is, you know, how big's your dick? How, oh, you know, I know that kind of thing. Well, um... <laughs> can I say that? On yeah, this you can. You can. No, I just I, I thought maybe you would warm up the airwaves for a few seconds longer before you went there. But like I said, this is who I am. It's, who I am. So. it's funny. I was sitting at um, Broadway Cafe Tuesday with my boss talking about just work stuff, and for some reason the conversation went this direction where. I was reminded that I moved back to KC in March of 2000 and, and was in Westport most of my waking hours for eight years straight. 
uh, almost all of those uh, under the same roof and the the front of the house is um, very very clear rule back then was no ink no piercings and um, like they were able to put together uh, a, a large front of the house staff that would be subjected to lineups and like sent away if you didn't have your wine key or if you were wrinkled or whatever uh, for a good while and now it's like you don't nobody's even going to give you a look if you don't have a little bit of visible mm -hmm. ink and a septum piercing or whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't get, honestly, I don't get the septum piercing. Yeah. But, no. uh, you know, that's, I'm a 90s guy, so mm -hmm. I think I think sleeves are cool. But. So so what are some of your inspirational, what do you got there? So I think 90% uh, of my tattoos are memorial tattoos. To those that are? That are dead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this, you know, my... My right arm is, I've got a sleeve on my right arm. My, my left arm, I just have a, you know, biceps tattoo. But on my uh, left arm, I've got a, a tiger. Okay. So this is what my uh, nickname was growing up from my grandfather. Was okay. I've got a, of a heart here, and it says Nan on it, N-A-N. And it's kind of a, like the, the heart that would say Mom on it. But, okay. But Nan was my grandmother. Okay. And, and she, she raised me. And so that's uh, she's she's deceased. Uh, the skull on my inner forearm here with a crown. Uh, this is uh, my grandfather. Because he was kind of the Nan's husband. Nan's husband. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was the obviously the patriarch of our family. Sure. He was the king of his his realm here. Yeah. So that's are him. these are these uh, dad's side or mom's side? Uh, these are mom's side. Okay. The skull cowboy. That's my dad. Okay. He's also deceased. Oh, he really? Was, uh, okay. He was born in Italy, but he was he's very much a, a rancher. He was a rancher uh, uh, till he died and died from an accident. Um, the 13 here is not what most people think it is. This this is probably the one that I think uh, brings the most attention. It's okay. The well, it's, it's, it stands apart. Yeah. I mean, so the number, rest of them kind of bleed into one yeah, another. Yeah, number 13 right in the bend of the inner bend of the elbow. But uh, it, it also is reminiscent of an MS-13 tattoo, which is interesting because I've had a lot of Hispanics come up to me and point this out. What's MS-13? MS-13 is a, a, set? a very violent uh, Hispanic gang. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, Do you know the, what the MS? No. Something Sureño, probably? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But what is it for you? Uh, my, my best friend that uh, ended up committing suicide seven years ago, his birthday's the 13th. Okay, and it's this is there's it's funny because I always forgot his birthday. I always called him on the twelfth for whatever reason. Growing up, I know I knew this kid for thirty five years. Growing up, it was always July twelfth, hmm. but his birthday is July thirteenth. Wow! And so I don't forget his birthday. Yeah. I don't forget his birthday yeah. anymore. Uh, the pine trees on the inner bicep here. Um, he uh, this was the, the the scenery of where he killed himself. Okay. Was, was in the uh, was up in the mountains. In okay, a very very piney area, very sure. noticeable pine sure. trees. Uh, then I got a I got a pinup girl. Oh, you do? How long has she been around? She's she's been on there a while. Is she uh, fictitious or is she based on somebody or? She, uh, you know, Olivia used to do these drawings for Playboy. And Olivia. Olivia, is it Olivia or Olivia? I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's the artist. Okay, and, and, and I'm probably wrong. I mean, it's either Olivier or Olivia. Okay, 
and he does these really great pinup girls. And I always liked him. I used to sneak my grandfather's Playboys growing up, and he would have these Sailor Jerry-esque type of drawings uh, of these pinup girls. And You're, I was... Are, is that, is that uh, solely a reference to the rum, Sailor Jerry? No, he no Sailor Jerry's uh, a tattoo artist, and the rum's probably named after the Correct. tattoo. Okay, yeah, because yeah. the, their their logo yeah. it looks tattooy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so right. he was a very famous tattooist. Is that even a word? It is now. It is now. Um, he was a very famous tattoo artist. I th- I, I would say in the sixties, fifties, and sixties. Uh, Sailor Jerry. Okay. Uh, so, at any rate, I was just I liked that kind of I don't know that that sailor themed pinup girl and so i chose one of his drawings on you know on a whim i guess okay and i went and got this got this done has the same person done all of your ink no not all of it but the majority okay. of it and and, yeah. and so recently fairly recently i think um like if you had you know you haven't you haven't seen me in short sleeves i don't think you've really ever seen me in short sleeves probably not yeah so, I mean, I mean, you did. I do remember uh, not very sh- shortly after uh, w- what we were talking about before we started rolling. You, I was at Oak Street Plate one day, and you came. I think I'm pretty sure you came in click clacking with a bike. Oh yeah, it, with and, a with a mountain bike, and, and you yeah. know, you know the click because of the yeah, shoes, the shoes, and yeah. and uh, pro- I pro- probably saw you might have been in shorts and a t-shirt or what were bike riding clothes then and that's probably it yeah i mean yeah. You, even when you had me over for the super bowl you were probably yeah. uh, my brooks brothers this isn't <laughs> starched as i like it <laughs> this italian silk one less set of gucci shoes for christmas for you young man <laughs> uh and then uh so no i've i think my my best friend he killed himself seven years ago okay so from then until about two years ago, this sleeve was completed. Um, this here, this is another memorial tattoo. That's this is a candy skull, and this was actually a cover up. I had candy, a candy skull. Like it a, looks like the Dia de los Muertos. Type. Yeah, which were they, another name for it is candy skull. Okay, uh, but uh, it says Ringo on the it says Ringo on the top. Yeah, it says Ringo on the top. And that was his nickname. Okay, his his name was Johnny. Okay. So we, uh, we were all Tombstone fans, so we, nice. we nicknamed him Ringo. Oh, you Huckleberry! <laughs> is yeah. that the right movie? It is, okay. and it's I'm your Huckleberry. I'm and your Huckleberry. I'm, my girlfriend and I had to research this last night because it's funny that this is even coming up. We had to research because she said, "What does that even mean?" And I think I said, "I said I, I think it means I'm the man for the job." And she said, "I think it means I'll be your sidekick." I and thought I was like, it well, meant he I'm would. interested in being your lover. <laughs> Which one is it? So we researched this. Okay. And uh, it don't, is... Don't use the R word, by the way, please. Okay. Because I mean, you're you're doing like the rest of us are doing and Googling. I would, I would That's suspect... That is research nowadays. What do you think? I went and got the Encyclopedia Britannica and looked it up? No. I, I got on Google. I, I closed OnlyFans and I went to Google. Pa- and, but paused OnlyFans. <laughs> I paused. Correct. I paused OnlyFans. Uh, just getting ready to go VIP for a few hundred bucks. Uh and I ended up uh, looking this up on Google, and it means I'm I'm the man for the job. Damn it! Okay. Right. And Mark Twain, 
adopted that because it was a, it was a very fashionable saying in the late 1800s uh, for people when they asked a question for somebody like, well, okay, well, I'm your Huckleberry. Like that was a, hey, I'm, I'm the guy, pick me. Corny, uh, corny begat cool. Yeah, corny begat cool. And he, w- here we are today, Doc Holliday revived that. And now it's like- Have you seen Top Gun Maverick yet? Yes, I have. Did you like it? I loved it. It was so fucking good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I remembered researching uh, a handful of months ago. I don't, maybe movie related. I can't, I'm not sure why, but, but looking up Val Kilmer and being like, oh, fuck. Like maybe somebody told me something was going on with him. Have and, you not seen Val? You're not seeing the, the movie Val, his documentary? No. Oh, you're behind, bro. Oh, good stuff. It's, uh, yeah. So apparently Val Kilmer has been documenting his life since the 80s uh-uh. on video. No way. Yeah. And he's put together a documentary of his life leading up to where he is now and the health problems that he's having. Throat, and, throat cancer. Oh, yeah. Right? And oh, yeah. it's not going it's, away. It's not good. But it's called Val, and I believe it's on Prime. Okay. I believe. Um, did you like how what they did with ICE? So if you watch Val, okay, you will appreciate more, even more, what they did with him. And yeah, I think, I think it was, I think it was perfect. I, I I think a lot of what they did in there was perfect. They, that was probably the best sequel I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's got to be. I believe it eventually will be in the conversation for you know top three, top five, top whatever best sequels ever. Oh, I think so. And you know. They, they they effectively recreated the entire first movie plot line <laughs> and everything yeah goosebumps and got away with it <laughs> i mean how how many how many movies on the second go around can do exactly what they did in the first go well, around like but he, just do it better but but like he said in his little pre-film cameo decades in the making i was like yeah decades well you know you know what that was you know what that was what so the the actors were actually trained to go up in the, those airplanes. Hence, and these are real MIGs and these are these real are, Gs. Those were real Gs. You could see it on their face. Spoiler alert, by the way. Right. Whoever right. is listening. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you could see it in their face. There's a time when one of the the actors looks like he's passing out. And right? he really is. He really is. Oh shit. Uh, well, I gotta say, man, the uh, you get the opening paragraph. And then you cut to him and his little hanger, and you almost immediately get jacket, and then the cover yeah. comes off the bike, and then you get danger zone. I was like, "Fucking let's go!" And that none of it, you know, it, I'm, lots of people across the most recent Star Wars movies, they're like, oh, "It's the same book," you know, a lot of criticism. But and it's uh, occasional. I'm a huge, huge Star Wars geek, so mm-hmm. it does. I'm just excited. There's a new Star Wars. I don't get upset about that. Sure, but I see it. I see, you know, it's always a fucking thing that's huge and kills planets, and we got to find out the way to blow it up, you know? Right, right. And then somebody's a relative, oh, shit, of so, you know, but um, zero fucks given for this. It was so, I mean, um, my, when it was go time for the real deal, my daughter was in my lap and my son was clutching my arm and they were both like, I'm so scared. I was like, I am too. I don't know why you think I'm a source of comfort. I'm fucking terrified. Like, 
Um, but I mean, my son, you know, my daughter's very um, much, she's emotional, she's in her head, and, and he's just, uh, you know, what what's next? That's how he mm-hmm. operates. Mm-hmm. He can have, uh, you know, three days at a, an amusement park, followed by two sleepovers and a Chiefs game, and then the Chiefs game, then what are we doing now? You know, mm-hmm. it's always how he's been. But in the drive, t- 20 minutes it took t- for me to get them to their moms, he probably said five times, that was so good. And I was like, it really, really, was, it really man. was, man. And everybody, um, what's his name? Um, the actor that played the, the mean uh, superior ranking officer that kind of took over. Uh, he's a St. Louis heartthrob. Um, you know what I'm talking about. He takes over. He's like, I'll be running it now. Oh, John Hamm? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God, I wanted to fucking strangle that we guy. Did, yeah. But in the end, he turned out to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good characters. I mean, okay, let's just talk about this. Tom Cruise is 56 years old. And still doing how many, much of his own stunts? I, I think the majority. I mean, I don't know what percentage, but the majority. I, I think it's a lot. And then we can talk about Jennifer Connelly's 51. She, I was like, who is this? I am in love. I mean... I absolutely love. Do you remember the first first movie she was like made an appearance in? No, it's called Career Opportunities. I remember that. Title. It's at a shopping store, or it's at a, a grocery store, and they get. I believe they get trapped in there overnight. Okay, and uh, that's when you kind of first meet this like doe-eyed Jennifer Connelly, and everybody's like, "Oh my god!" And then she goes from this to Requiem for a Dream. Oh, she was in that. She was in that with Jared Leto. She, I would, I tell you, probably my top five of all time, like major babes, Jennifer Connelly. I, I just literally and had just, nothing, nothing. In just a, to see her at fifty-one years old, I have goosebumps now. You have goosebumps talking about, yeah. Like I have yeah. goosebumps now. Jennifer Connelly blew me away. I mean, the uh, out the window and yeah. then the, and yeah. just don't break her heart this time. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, it's great. It's really great. It's great. Really now, great. did you catch in the original Top Gun, there is a reference to Penny, that character? No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did you know that? No. No, no, okay. no. Okay. No. Okay. No. Uh, but there is a reference to Penny. What as, scene is it in? Uh, Goose is talking to, Goose and his wife are talking to Maverick and saying something along the lines of, just go, man, you know, forget about Penny or whatever. There's this there's this like reference to a girl that broke his heart or he broke her heart and I, they don't go into it. Wow. But to have that come wow. full, cir- full circle is pretty cool. So uh, Nan and what was your grand? what'd you call your grandfather? I called him grandpa. Okay. Yeah. And this is mom's side. Mom's side. Yeah. Um, okay. So were you born and raised here? No. Salt okay. Lake City. Salt Lake City. Salt okay. Lake City. So it always it always works its way back to Utah yeah. somehow. Yeah. Uh so so your parents met in Utah? They did. Okay. Yeah. How did they meet? Yeah, you know, I don't know. They were never married. Okay. They were uh so my my mother was born in England in okay. uh Birmingham, West Midlands in a, in a town called Wolverhampton. Okay. Um and they came to the United States. My my mom was, I think, 10 years old when they came to the United States. My father was born in Italy in a uh, near Rome in a town called uh, Frosinone. Okay. They came to Italy when he, he was younger than my mother. I think it was only two or three years old. They moved, they 
they immigrated to New York, to upstate New York. Um, my dad joined the Marines, which led him to California, did his four years in the Marines. <clears throat> I think he was 23 or 24 when he got out and decided he was going to drive across country and ended up in Utah. Okay. And then ended up staying there for a time, meeting my mom, most likely at a bar, I guess. And they they hit it off and hooked up and they had a pretty strong relationship until she got pregnant. They were there was a 10-year uh, uh 10-year uh, age difference. So my dad being 10 years younger than my mom. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So she gets pregnant and then he did he disappear or Yeah, for the for yeah, lack of detail. He, sure. he just kind of said, that's uh, a little much. What, you're having twins? I'm a twin. No, so, no you are? Yeah, I have a twin sister. Yeah. What's her name? April. Is she, where is she? Hawaii. Are you, do you guys, okay. We do not uh, communicate. So it's it's a bit much, and then it may, is he around initially, or? Well, he's around long enough for them to go to court. Um, they go to court, and I like, Back in the set, this is 75. 75, they're having a hard time. Am I one year older than you? Is that? Do we? 47. Yeah, I'm 47. Have you had your birthday already? Yeah. Okay. April. April. So, yeah, six six months. Yeah. But no, because I'll be 48 in December. Yeah. Whatever. Right. It doesn't yeah. matter. Anyway, uh, so they went to court, and I think those times, they really didn't side with the the woman too often, I don't, I don't think. I mean, I think that that... You know. it, 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 this is a, pater- a paternity case? Yeah, a paternity case. And the, the technology's not there for yeah. the DNA testing and all that. And the case isn't going well. My grandfather, <clears throat> he's a very, uh, take, was a very, was a very take charge kind of guy. And he said, we're not going to proceed with this anymore. We'll take the kids. And so we, we all lived in a huge farmhouse. Uh, my grandparents, my sister and I, and my mom. Eastern Utah? No, in Salt Lake City. There was a farmhouse. Salt Lake City is sort of central north, right? Yeah. yeah okay. It's by the Great Salt Lake. Right, right, right. Not too far from that. Yeah. We, yeah. But but it's like if you're coming across 70 on Colorado, you're in Utah, you go like kind of Arches-ish and, and then Park City and then eventually Salt Lake City, right? Yeah. So you don't go through any Arches, but you if you're- No, but like Arches National Park and, and all which that. Is, is which a, is in Utah. That's, that's Southern Utah, though. But on the eastern side, yeah, southeast, okay. southeast. Okay. So I seventy goes right through. Uh, uh, I think it's called Price, but yeah, I think I think you're 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 pretty close. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're not going to pursue this anymore. And then Dad is just whatever doing his own. Yeah, life. Yeah, you know, and as a, as a kid, you you know, you're spared from all of the details, sure. and uh, as it should be. And I think come to find out later on in life, when my dad died. Uh, is that, you know, he, he didn't necessarily want to be kept away. He just felt like he wasn't welcome. And so ended up, you know. How long has he been gone? He died in 2012, okay. August 1st. And you, by that point, you did have a relationship with him? Somewhat. Or somewhat. Okay. I mean, a, adult male relationships, especially paternal relationships, are... They're hard to start when you're an adult. What? You know? When did? When was there an initial connection made? Uh, my sister tracked him down when we were 16. Okay, and um, are you guys still living with Nan and Granddad and yeah. and, and Mom? Yeah, at 16. Okay, yeah. 
And I I refused to meet him until I was about 19. Okay. What, I, was a, I was a teenager. I had a what changed ship. then? <sighs> he had a motorcycle for me. Oh, shit. My mom, that is so much more than ice cream. My mom loved that one. That was, oh, I bet. Oh, yeah. You're coming around again or <laughs> yeah, for the I'm first bring, time. Breaking him and... a motorcycle. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. So you guys, all right. So you started something and it uh, took whatever shape it took until he was not around anymore. Pretty much. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and w- I mean, is, is your mom still alive? Yeah. And are you guys? She lives with me. It's a nightmare. No. Yeah. Since when? Well, since February. Okay. So she was, she's obviously retired. Uh, she sold our family home in Utah. Uh, in February of 2022, was planning to take an extended vacation in Kansas City for two months before she relocated to Hawaii for the rest of her retirement. Um, Plans fell through. The good news, (laughs) the good news is she's moving into her own apartment next week. So Plans fell through, like like did somebody... Like agree to some a thing and then they changed their mind or was it like just logistically organic it kind of fell through um, or? I think you know the 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 cost was shocking I oh think. yeah for I sure. think you know you had this idea in your mind of what you what you can do with a sum of money meaning the sale yeah, of the Utah the home. Of house but not not understanding that, that that's finite I think you know I'd, I introduced her to my financial advisor and plans quickly changed so she's she's here uh, but which is I mean, good was she gonna connect with your sister and they, she was yeah and your sister doesn't have any means of helping her see that through or we or, you or know, no we, interest or we all of, have that person in our family that just brings everything down so are you is that a roundabout way of saying you guys don't communicate because of my, Some stuff on her end? My or? sister's a unique person. Okay. Interesting. And, uh, so you said, yeah. I think you said when you pointed to Nan that she raised you. Is that because mom was working? or? Well, you know, twins. And um, that's, that's tough on a single mom. And I think that uh, my grandparents would help out by taking the boy with them and, and, you know, kind of doing the maternal things with bottle feeding and, and all the things that, you know, a mom would do to, to a baby would to help out. And it just became a habit, I guess. Take so, it, why taking the boy? My, you know, that's a good question. I don't have an answer for that. Okay. I, I think that may it's have been kind of like some Luke and Leia shit. Yeah, like. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, just so you know, we can reference Star Wars all day. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Too. Okay, well, so we can we can do that. I just we can get there. Like to get all of the things about myself that I might declare nerdy or whatever out on the shelf, so that you have easy targets in case you, you know, change into yeah. your old self and want to. Yeah. Hey. You never know. You never know when that guy will come out. <laughs> I know. I know. He might be under the hat. There. <laughs> he could be. Uh, uh, so, did you guys both graduate? high school in in utah and yeah okay yeah uh we we graduated high school in 1993 she graduated a little bit earlier than i did i loved high school i didn't like the work but i loved being there sure i love being there um did um mom or nan or granddad was anybody um 
playing music in the house when you guys were little or so my um my mom would play a lot of tom jones okay um man yeah i I think i think my mom's mom was like a huge like maybe legitimately in a tom jones fan club uh, whatever that, Wasn't my, he my, like my, my mom's almost 80 kind of handsome oh yeah and no dashing guy and like kind of hey like uh-huh. whatever he almost, did almost loungy but not quite but you know it was different than different. what was totally offered different. before right yeah, or yeah. or concurrently yeah okay okay i think it's like he's like uh robert Goulet meets jim morrison kind interesting. of you know what i mean kind of like this sexy swagger yeah like yeah kind of but still kind of on this this sharp loungy. dresser yeah 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 okay yeah uh daughter of darkness if you ever get a chance to listen to one tom jones song check out daughter of darkness that that song ran through my mind as a kid and i don't know if it was just because of the lyrics or because it was about a daughter or something something struck a chord as a kid for me listening to daughter of darkness okay um but you know and, and then the the standby you know we had a lot of doors growing up um some some led zeppelin my mom wasn't real into rock she was more into the kind of easy listening sure. type of stuff um you know we I think the birds played a lot. Cool. Uh, Tommy, Tommy James and the Chandels. Yeah. So Crimson and Clover. I remember that song really well. What a cool song that yeah. is. That's, that's a cool song. Well, also Tommy James and the Chandels, like that's high up there on like best band name. Oh yeah. Ever. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just, I don't know. It just has always flowed off uh-huh. the, anyway. So, so those, those things were uh, pretty regular. Uh, my, my mother dated an Oak Ridge boy for a while, which wow. is interesting. Uh, my dad was like, talk about fangirls and fanboys he uh so friday july 8th uh my dad would have been 75 um and he for like right when he sort of hit his stride in the 80s he was selling china like what like corningware what you would register for if you're gonna get married you know um sure um and and killing it and uh so he he had two like vans in a row back to back and they were like really nice you know fold out beds and captain's chairs in the middle and stained glass windows i mean and uh so anyway thursday night i went out with some of my um uh two of my sisters and my stepmom and we had we had burgers and 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 then my sister got home and and watched uh we used to he used to make slides like of pictures you know, of the carousel tri- like sure. boxes and boxes. And at some point, uh, my sister that's in Chicago and her husband, uh, I think took it upon themselves to take some highlights from the slides and have a DVD made. And so my sister went home and was watching it and recorded it with her phone and sent it to me. And, uh, so you, you had slides recorded to a DVD, then recorded on a phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, just there's a couple of shots of him uh, in front of the first van. Uh, and I always remember like his biggest bragging right about that was that he once gave the Oak Ridge Boys a ride. <laughs> I don't know from where to where, but it's always like, Cool story, man. Yeah. You know, you need to like flush that out and be like, they were abandoned on the d- d- dirt on their teeth right, and their right. guitars on their. 
gave the Oak Ridge boy. Yeah, we know. God, why do you keep saying that? So yeah, she she dated this Oak Ridge boy, Richard. I don't know his last name. Uh, he was the guy. He was the baritone. Okay. So that song, Elvira. Yeah. Where they go, Giddy up now, now. Now. Yeah. Yeah. He was the one that. Okay. Did that. Okay. And uh, cool. so she dated Richard, and this is what she said. I. I was a kid. I didn't see them out together. Right, I, I right. wasn't like, is that my new dad? <laughs> I was, it was never like that. <laughs> it was never like that. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so we listened to a lot of Oak Ridge boys. My, my grandparents being older, you know, world war two age, um, they were listening to more big band stuff and, and even some Willie Nelson and, and Julio Iglesias and, and those kinds of things. So, to all the girls I love. That's it, that, that is Before. that we had that we had an RV with an eight track, and I think that's the only song that worked. Um, right? Yeah. Right. We're on the road again, and yep. we thought that was cool because we were driving. Every time we get in the RV, we had this uh, sleeper RV, like a legitimate, like you know, Winnebago. Yeah. And uh, we'd go to Yellowstone, or we'd go to nice. Southern Utah, or we'd go to these places. And it, every time we'd pull out of the driveway, my grandpa'd put on the road again and we well, just, as kids we love that so this trip i just took to colorado with the kids um i had some I had episode one actually a college buddy from durango flew in with his kids stayed the weekend and all of all six of us went to the casey musgrave show at sprint center right mm-hmm. and so we kind of tried to like squeeze in some casey musgraves because we weren't really in the know but we've since listened to quite a bit, and, and we, the current album that we're listening to was just kind of whatever, 12th or 13th of 14 tracks as we're headed to the airport to fly to Colorado. And there's a fucking track with Willie Nelson. I was like, God, Dad, I didn't know she wrote it. And my kids are like, who's Willie Nelson? And I'm like, Ooh. well, and Good I, job, Dad. it's not, I'm not a, I'm not a big <laughs> fan. I love him, but I don't own any of his stuff. I've never. Have you seen him live? No. Uh-uh. But, I mean, he's been here a couple times. Um, I think maybe um, <clears throat> Spirit Fest in yeah. the 80s. I think maybe I might have caught him once. But anyway, so I put that on um, and they loved it. And then we flew to Colorado, got a rental car. We went Denver, Durango, back to Denver, Fort Collins, Estes, Fort Collins, back to we'd, a lot of miles. And every time we would pack up our things and mm-hmm. get in the car, I would play that. Um, and at one point, my son's like, what else? And I was like, well, there is the duet with Enrique or Julio Iglesias, whatever. And I put it on and I was like, this fucking thing drags out like Whew. verse after verse. Like, yeah. all right, that's yeah. enough of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, that thing, I mean, 82, 81, somewhere around there. It was, I heard it a lot. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, um, Beck opened for him at Starlight about, I Will, want to say about, Willie? Yeah, I want to say about five or six years ago. I remember ago. that. I didn't go. It was good. I bet. It was good. I mean... And they came out and did a song together. And cool. It was cool. It was you know, cool. I, I've... Whatever. Beck's got like 10, 11, 12 records. And I have them all in, in, in my phone. I've never just sat down and... Um, I, I did for um, the record that came out in like 03, 04... And it had that cell phones dead, gone, lost in, you know, mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. by one, I'll yeah. knock it. That, uh-huh. I know that record, but the rest of it I don't know that well, but I have it all. And typically I'm just shuffling, right? And nope, if I don't feel like it. Every time a Beck song comes on that I've not really listened to before, I'm like, fuck, this is good too. Yeah. Fuck, this is good too. Like he's just, 
He's great. Really gifted. There's and, so many good artists. I'm I'm doing the same thing with Metallica right now. I'm really I'm, I went back re-listening to all albums like start to finish. Okay. Deftones, same thing. They're on my on my top list. Deftones. Uh, it's just you you forget kind of you know like what's so great about these bands. Yeah. And um, well, you know, I f- I found my solution, and I know this is going to make you laugh, but it it's it's not what it's going to sound like. Um, so there is a, I remember uh, you had that like antique looking phonograph yeah. thing at, when yeah. you're putting together season and square, and you're just fucking fanboying out about Spotify and how great it was. Yeah. And I was like, all right, dude. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I don't even use it anymore. <laughs> I've, yeah. So, but there's a playlist on there that the um, creative manager for Fish put together. And it's all of their um, pre-first set and intermission and walkout, you know, shows over house music from 09 to current. Wow. So it's got uh, 10,500 albums. And it's uh, the I don't even remember the other number that is like how long it takes to play is also huge. Um, And that is literally it's playing right now in my kitchen. That's all I listen to because I have up to date. I'm 100 plus like, who the fuck is this? And I'll find it add it. And then when I'm out driving around, you know, it just it's shuffle. But it is so incredible. and I don't know why we started talking about that, but yeah, um, it's fun to do that kind of stuff. I, you know, oh, because you were like um, doing the deep dive Metallica, yeah. blah blah blah, um, and hence why they were on the brain when you saw the Liquid Death. Yeah, um, I, they, yeah, they've been on the brain. Honestly, are you a Stranger Things fan? I did season one, and uh, I'm I'm not uh, really uh, sit down and watch TV. I, I need to be doing something, so I usually just like watch podcasts and shit on my phone while I fold laundry or it's whatever. In, it's interesting for a Star Wars guy because I, I think Stranger Things and Star Wars are really similar. Well, so I did season one, and then I started like I think I got through it, and then started season two and did one or two, and I was like, I don't know that I need to be doing this right now. Hmm. It's worth it. Uh, well, everybody's been freaking out about yeah. season four. I'd say that they're alike. I say you know they're alike because the 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 villain is always there okay and it's like similar to star wars like star wars is it's always about the empire it's always yeah. about yep. you know the planet destroyer but it's not about that it's about the characters and what they do within those stories you know you, star wars is interesting because it could almost be this infinite amount of stories and and parallel you know stories happening during the same period of time mm-hmm. which they've started to Sorry to do a little bit of that. Uh, Are you? Did you do uh, Mandalorian and Boba Fett and Obi Wan? Yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I'm I haven't not, finished Obi Wan yet. I haven't but started because we're still not. We're only like four or five episodes into Boba Fett. Um, Obi Wan's good, man. I can't. I can't wait. It's just a matter of getting it's a little slow start. Yeah, but well, that's okay. Yeah, I. I it's good, but uh, Stranger Things. So the reason I bring that up is season four is 1986. What they've done is they've taken this Kate Bush song from 1986. I've seen the, the memes. Yeah. I knew this song in the eighties. I knew Kate Bush. Well, that's uh, what she, the meme says. Yeah. She, she, uh, 
she had a a song with Peter Gabriel that was like that was huge, and I hear that I heard that song and I was like, wait a minute, they're bringing Kate Bush back, so it's huge. So Metallica makes an appearance in uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, not not a cameo, but their music. Sure, and in in such a way. Uh, this just it's fucking awesome. Okay. Let's just say that. Um, and so uh that reignited like I, I was a huge Metallica fan growing up. I went to Master of Puppets tour, I went to Justice for All tour, I went to the Black Album tour. I you know, I was a huge Metallica fan and then in the mid nineties when everything started to go away from hard rock, I kinda lost my way a little bit. Uh but it's yeah, you gotta watch Stranger Things, man. Okay. Get, on, get on board. You know what I did just sit down and watch like all in one setting was the bear. I've heard it's real good, and I've heard from a lot of people that I would I would like it. Uh, that those were going to be the next words out of my mouth. <laughs> I mean, there's so, so much that yeah. you could can and will for sure relate to. Interesting. And it, yeah. It's I don't know if they're going to make a second season, but it was a very fat. And it was only eight, I think, episodes. <coughs> Um, but really good stuff. Really yeah. good stuff. Um, there is, uh, a character in that there's, there's a couple, especially early, but one in particular where I literally Googled, why are they not firing this guy? You know, like it, I was like, I don't know if I can continue to watch it. It's so just like, Holy fuck, man. My anxiety mm-hmm. just from this, it's just, taking over everything like it, it you you got to give it a watch um but was there um you know uh so since we're so close to the same age um really seventh grade was kind of you know when i first had real money of my that i earned mm-hmm. uh, you know cutting grass babies whatever mm-hmm. and 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 now i'm buying music mm-hmm. i've gone from like listening to whatever my mom's playing or whatever's on in the house to like having a stereo a little thing in my room that i'm you know ky 102 or the fox or whatever and now i'm beginning so mm-hmm. so was there what was the first leap or the first step away from what's being played to stuff that you sought out and acquired on your own music wise so i yeah i um through early on, early on when I started, um, I'd say around 14, uh, I was into white snake. Nice. Um, David Coverdale still probably best, best voice in rock and roll. I mean, his stint at deep purple was awesome. Wait, what? Yeah. He was lead singer of deep, deep purple for a while. What Richie Blackmore was the guitar, guitar mm-hmm, player mm-hmm. and the original lead man was, what was his name? I, the guy, guy who sang, I mean, he sang Highway Star and Smoke on the Water and all that shit, right? Yeah, so I'm going to look up a song because I want you to listen to David Coverdale and his lyrics in this Deep Purple song because it is insane. He just has this range where, you know, he can sound like this operatic tenor. Yeah, I mean, still takes still the night. Yeah. For, I mean, he goes all yeah. over the place in that. So he leaves Deep Purple in the 70s and, and starts White Snake in the early 80s. Uh, him and and uh, uh, Steve Vai. No, Steve Vai was a guest guest guitarist for White Snake. He wasn't the regular guitarist. Uh, Steve Vai did play at a show that I I did get to see Steve Vai play, and that that was that concert. That was one of my first concerts ever, and that was like I knew that like 
rock was like I, i'm landing on rock no matter what i told you one time in your uh not oak but uh your 63rd office one time to play for the love of god off of steve vai's passion and warfare album because mm-hmm. we kind of somehow went, went went down this road yeah i haven't played it yet i know you were like i will <laughs> i'm busy yeah um so i i, I first got into white snake and then I'm, I've kind of got uh, an obsessive personality, you know, kind of do it, do it all or nothing. Is this a new thing? <laughs> so I naturally went out and bought all, all white snakes tapes, went to all their concert, spent all, spent all my paychecks on albums from white snake and, uh, solid investment. And I just, I think so. I mean, you mentioned, mentioned white snake today. And most people have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, they're it's crazy. Just, which is crazy because they're so influential on who. So who's that. playing the the bow solo in that? Oh god, that's that's yep. Steve Vai and and uh, uh, their other guitarist is Kit something. I can't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, I mean they they brought out the the bows in Still of the Night, and it, that was like groundbreaking shit, man. Everybody shut the fuck up. Just, what is going on yeah, over here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, like goosebumps. Yeah, like goosebumps. that's such a good sound. Yeah, it's a, that song is a. A great song. I still don't think it's the best rock song of all time. I have a very strong opinion on that. Uh, but I think the most the most excited I ever was to go buy a cassette tape was when Sacred Heart from Dio came out. Okay. <clears throat> and I was. <laughs> it's funny you don't you don't watch uh, Stranger Things. Your listeners will appreciate this, but I was really into Dungeons and Dragons and. Uh, we play D and D, and it's all about this fantasy. And and Dio, he's like that wizard rock genius, right? He's like Ron, it, Ronnie James. Ronnie James. Okay. R.I.P. How long's he been gone? Oh, years. Okay. Yeah, but he always he always sang about mythical creatures and dragons and yeah. wizards and stuff like that. I think and that I mean, maybe uh, essentially like cool, but I think it also maybe limited accessibility. Totally. In the same way that D and D. Yeah, does. and cool in a way that tenacious d can base their whole <laughs> band off dio and just crush it and crush it yeah. right so but nerdy and cool in a way i mean that's kind of where we live now but uh sacred heart was i was just that song i, I cassette remember, yeah oh yeah cassette, right yeah, yeah. At, at 14 with my sony walkman with the orange yeah. pads on the headphone listening to sacred heart was like whoa it was so. It was so good. Uh, we, just recently, so my, kind of my our hub in Denver for this Colorado uh, trip is my best buddy. We grew up a block apart in PV. He's he he moved out there. You know, I was out there for like seven years, and he came out, and I, I came back for a relationship. But whatever. Um, he. Um, God damn it! I'm having a brain fart. Um, what what were you saying? Cool story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, tenacious D. It was just Dio. Just I mean, and you know, then I then of course you know when you, when you get an album and of course Sacred Heart's not their first album. You know they had um, they had Last in Line before that, and then they had Holy Diver before that. Okay. And then before that, he was in a band called Rainbow. Really. Uh, and then before that, he was in a band called Elf. <laughs> so uh, and then before that, he even did a stint in Black Sabbath. Ronnie James Dio did. 
Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's another one of those Dio's another one of those guys that shaped like rock, you know, like David Coverdale a little bit more on the glamour like the girls really loved White Snake and there was always this like you go to a White Snake concert and you could see just hot girls everywhere. Yeah. You went to a Dio concert? <laughs> A lot of dudes. There were no girls yeah. anywhere, a but lot of it was chains. just it was about the rock, man, yeah. and it was. Uh, so they they were influ- influential, but in different ways. I think White Snake. If you even look at some kind of genres, it'll it'll call it pop. You know, like I bet kind of, I bet it's been labeled uh, hair metal and butt rock, glam. hair rock, yeah. glam rock, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Which would lead me to like the next band that I that I think it's on my list. Uh, and that's Guns N' Roses. I mean, to me, I think that uh, Guns N' Roses is probably the best rock band of all time. Interesting. We'll get to them. Yeah. Um, but we're we're gonna go chronologically just because I'm a nerd and let's do it. Um, Tantalize the listeners. With so I was really excited. Uh, I was surprised that you picked the Doors record, but I was really excited because they. I feel like not only, you know, occasionally in here, but obviously more often in life, they come up, mm-hmm. but they only kind of just come up and then mm-hmm. they, you know, and it's just, just perpetual and, and it's a curious, it's been a curiosity for me. Um, I, you know, uh, I didn't do a deep dive around the time that you're really getting into Dio and, and, and that sort of stuff, but I definitely developed um, an awareness that, um, the three musicians are really fucking tight and really, you know, obviously, you know, Jim's the face and he's the wild card and all that kind of put the whole thing on the map. But without them, that outfit is shit. I mean, no doubt. If, if anyway, Jim's Jim's all the drama. Jim Jim right. is the drama that sells the tickets. So so, um, nineteen seventy. Yeah. Morrison Hotel. Yeah. Very specific Fifth, song. In there. Fifth of nine records, yeah, which surprised me. And as I dug a little deeper, uh, so th- so this one is uh, February 9th of, of seventy. Soft Parade mm-hmm. was in sixty nine. It was their fourth, and it was like orchestrated with horns and strings. And they were uh, it was the most expensive to date for them to put out. Um, and he had had his uh, infamous Florida. Uh, in March of 69, he gets arrested mm-hmm. uh, for, I think, for public intoxication. Show's canceled. 25 gigs are pulled off the books. And then their shit got kind of like blackballed mm-hmm. from radio play. So um, they went this slightly different direction from their first three records uh, and put a ton of ton of time and money into it and then it virtually got no exposure mm-hmm. uh so i'm th- i'm this i didn't know all this well i yeah. and I, I i just learned it sure kind of brushing up for the, the purpose of this conversation um so they're frustrated they go back in and they make morrison hotel which side a is uh, Morrison Hotel and Side B is Hard Rock Cafe, mm-hmm. and fascinating, um, and uh, it's fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like, um, 
you know, I, I over the years have definitely waved the uh, anti greatest hits flag because you gotta you gotta listen to the record that they went in the studio to make as an outfit, and that's really where where the art form, you know, whatever. Um, and I try. I bought a. I randomly bought a Doors album, and I didn't love it. And then I was like, oh, and I reluctantly bought Greatest Hits. I was like, yeah, that's that's what I was looking for. But this is so super good, and it has like I I had a lot of ups and downs because I was like, um, you know, I love Peace Frog. Yeah, I've always loved Peace yeah. Frog. I've yeah. always felt it to be uh, a very largely underrepresented underrepresented and underrated Doors tune. Sure. Like I don't think it could even touch some of the the big ones that have gotten historically all of the radio play. Right. Like I I don't know if I ever remember but once or twice hearing it on the radio and that was who knows how that happened. Sure. Um but uh it's not from that session. It's from their third re- the session from their third record. I did not so know I was that. like, Peace Rock. oh, well, that's weird. Anyway, and then I was like, I really liked Lando, uh-huh. uh, Indian Summer from yeah. this, their self-titled sessions. So it's interesting. Like they uh, along the way, they've recorded two really good songs and didn't put them on the record at the time yeah. that they were recording for. Um, so well, you know how you know how it was done back then. It wasn't their decision on what songs went onto the record. That's, that's the thing is that, um, if you're, you know, follow the trail of breadcrumbs, the, the story I think most often goes, you know, you're the garage band that hopes to get local gigs and eventually you get noted and you noticed and, you know, eventually somebody is ponying up for you guys to go into the studio and he, you know, you better not have any fights, and somebody better not get wasted and not show up, and no drama. Don't don't burn the place down, and and also take exactly the amount of time we're paying for. Don't mm-hmm. don't go over, and then also ten songs that are three minutes and forty five seconds, and we're gonna tell you which and mm-hmm. what the order is. I don't think that happened for everybody. I think some bands sure. got to choose their track listing and track sequence. You you mentioned that. They got blackballed around that time, so you know maybe they, maybe when they went into that studio to make that album, they're trying to kind of renew their their base or their fanship. The, this, the, the, the effort was we're going to go back yeah. Blue, blues. Yeah, that's right. That's, um, that's so during the sessions, uh, uh, I, did, I just copy and pasted this quote so I don't have her first name, but his girlfriend at the time, her last name is Corson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay. Had a violent argument after she drank his bottle of liquor so he could not drink it with uh, engineer Bruce Botnick recalling. So here were the two of them completely out of their minds and crying. He started shaking her violently. I think he was putting me on. She was crying out of control, telling him he shouldn't drink anymore. And that's why she drank it. And I'm cleaning up. And I said, hey, man, it's pretty late. And he looked up, stopped shaking her, said, yeah, right. Hugged her. And they walked out (laughs) arm in arm. Um, So just before we started rolling we were you know we were kind of i think dancing around the idea of you know toxic relationships and you know alcohol fuel yeah 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 um but uh cover art um there's a morrison hotel storefront they were not allowed 
to take a picture. So they waited until the clerk got called and they ran in and got a picture. And the back cover art is a hard rock cafe that's right down the street. Yeah. Okay. Um, And they, uh, that ended up being a future, uh, you know, this filming spot for a good portion of beat it. No kidding. Yeah. I did not know that. Um, so got a couple quotes. Dave Marsh, editor of Cream, called the album the most horrifying rock and roll I've ever heard. When they're good, they're simply unbeatable. I know this is the best record I've listened to so far. Uh, rock Magazine called it without any doubt their ballsiest and yet best album to date. A lot of praise. Um, but this, that, the whole point being, um, I feel like, you know, their presence was like a stamp and it the result of the stamp is this split or this dichotomy where you have non-fans essentially just kind of being like eh, whatever i mean yeah mm-hmm. jim morrison i saw the movie yeah and then i like break on through yeah right yeah exactly and then fans that know mm-hmm. like i mean john densmore mm-hmm. robbie krieger ray manzurek i mean and morrison was just kind of he's kind of to me he's kind of whatever well he's i mean he's he's the show and the, and the band is the production you know what i mean there jim morrison's a show but the show can't go on without the, the production yeah and you know nobody to this day nobody has made a keyboard sound like the, ray manzer the, the way that ray made that yeah. sound i mean it was like he could like it, it didn't you know, listen to keyboards now 80s 90s and it all just sounds synthy poppy uh-huh. his was like a haunting kind of like, I don't know. It just it got to you when you when you listened to it, you, and then you could you, some of the the scales that he played on that were just I don't know. They they were right. Like they they'd flip something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's it's almost like he his keyboards caused that psychedelic trance to happen. You didn't necessarily need the drugs, but I don't think. But any, if you had them, but if bonus. you had them, it'd be even better. But yeah. I I think that I don't think any. There's no sound. That, let's put it this way. There's no one's ever sounded like the doors. Nope, ever. no, no. And uh, maybe because we are so close in age and I think kind of uh, had a somewhat similar pockets of, you know, adolescence and upbringing and whatnot. Um, I was a huge Facts of Life. I'm not Facts of Life. Uh, family Ties. Family Ties, sure. You remember the episode? I was a fan of that show. I mean, Alex P. Keaton, mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to be him. Um but no, I don't remember that episode. This was I I, I, I stand by this uh, with zero official backing, but I believe it in my heart. Um, there was an episode, and Alex's best friend killed himself, hmm. and Light My Fire was their jam together. And hmm. the whole episode, I mean, it made it feel much much longer than thirty minutes was Alex sort of processing the loss and the grief, and and Light My Fire is in it almost I mean, there's like flames against black backdrop and and michael j fox you know he's singing and, and no i mean kidding. it's wild it like, is wild it, you sh- it's definitely worth a, a youtube search or a google search it's pretty out of character for alex p Keaton. well <laughs> I, but i don't th- i really i mean that was the heyday of sitcoms yeah sure and to really it was sort of like uh the different strokes episode where they got um molested by the uh-huh. You remember? Yes, Dudley I do. and yeah. uh but just really like not only uh this idea of of 
death getting stage time, but but suicide. It was interesting. You, it's interesting you bring that up because there's so many there's so many sitcoms that you know tonight on a very special blossom. You know what I mean? There are so many so <laughs> so many sitcoms that took it upon themselves to like teach kids yeah. like these weird like or not weird, but these these uncomfortable you know, sex. Uh, getting pregnant, suicide, uh, you know, molestation, sexual abuse. Well, you know, all what, that. what's what's interesting about it is that you, uh, you sort of had the ABC after school special uh-huh. kind of they like we got this, you know, yeah. like yeah. wrapped up, you know. Uh, we're latchkey kids, of course. Yeah, and what else are we gonna do? Yeah, we don't yeah. have the parents home, so we gotta get taught, taught by something. Primetime sitcom, yeah. doesn't need to take one of their 30 minute episodes and address suicide or mollusk because the after school specials, that's yeah. yeah, their wheelhouse. They, but they, but they did it anyway. And I, you know, it was probably a gamble, but I think it paid off. I mean, yeah. it resonated with me. Yeah, how crazy is the Cosby show nowadays, right? Um, I can't say I've watched it in quite some Dr. time. Dr. Huxtable, you dog. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to, I want to get to the next two, but I got to pee again real quick. Yep, let's do it. I got it too. Dueling swords. All right. So one last thing about the doors. Um, The first thing, first place I went was how many studio albums did they put out? And I saw nine. I was like, bullshit. Fascinating to me is that this is this being five LA woman was six. And that's the one that gets all the notoriety. That was it. Jim was done. That was the last one they did together. Mm the three of them put out two records after he was dead, mm-hmm. which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, other voices in 71 and full circle in 72. And then they went and did their own thing, got back together and recorded a record around some spoken word poetry that he had previously recorded, uh, which was called American prayer in 78. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know. Any I didn't know that. about that one. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> We, um, super good record though. I really, I'm really glad that Morrison Hotel is going to be, you know, in my mix now. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, and I, I grew, I honestly, I grew up to that record. Wow. That's, it's so good. Yeah. Um, so we go from what I say, 69 to 87 <laughs> and Appetite for Destruction virtually I mean, kind of changed the face of rock mm-hmm. or, or made it more accessible. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I have some, I have some opinions on that. I think that, uh, Guns N' Roses took rock back to the garage. Okay. It, it got, we, we went through the 70s, 60s and 70s with Zeppelin and Aerosmith and all these big bands that started, had a lot of money and they had a lot of, uh, Notoriety, and they were getting the, the big arenas, and they were, as as anything, they add more to it and add more to it. And they, if you start listening to those early '80s records from like Aerosmith and some of those other big bands, they, they feel produced. Well, Just, uh, Aerosmith uh, put out like six, five or six really, really, really amazing records, and then they had their toxic twins like collapse on stage, blah, blah, blah. And they're, they put out absolute garbage. Mm -hmm. And then they, then they went to, somebody went to rehab and they put out a record in like 86 called done with mirrors. Mm -hmm. It is so bad. Mm -hmm. So bad. So 
to me, like Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, they kind of they kind of added a little punk into rock, and they just they made it gritty and they made it more outlaw. I mean, like forget about the drugs. You really felt like you were going to get your ass kicked. I mean, the video to "Welcome to the Jungle" like scared me a little. Yeah. bit. I was like, "Oh, fuck!" You dude. feel like are those hookers? What's if you, going on? <laughs> you, you feel like if you ran into Slash or Duff or or Axel, they may kick your ass. Yeah. They may just kick your ass and take your wallet and take your wallet and your girlfriend and, yeah. and whatever. Yeah. And that's just uh, I didn't I didn't necessarily feel that way about White Snake. You know, sure. White Snake was. A produced band, I, I think they were great, and I think they did a lot of. They, they'll give they'll give you some drugs and get you laid. Yeah, you know, they'll get you laid because the, all the girls want to hang out with them. But they're not the bad boys. Mm-mm. The bad boys. They had cool they, outfits. They didn't have they had a lot of money. Uh, Guns and Roses and Motley Crue, in my opinion, were the the badasses of the that. Pi- the pioneers of badassery. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, how did that album land in your lap? How did it get into your space? Was it MTV? Was it the radio? Did you? It was definitely MTV was okay. a huge influence in for everything for me. I mean, I found Black Sabbath because I wanted to know what's that riff at the beginning of MTV. Dun, 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 dun. It's War Pigs from Black Sabbath. Oh, I was and thinking of a, like the comeback from commercial. Dun, <laughs> dun, dun, no, dun, dun, the, dun, dun. the one where they they have the guy, the Moon Man, putting the flag in, and it's it's uh, that's uh, that's. Four pigs? Yeah, there's a little riff in there that's right in the center. Of, okay, interesting. Uh, yeah, so you gotta listen to listen to that song. But so MTV ruled everything. I mean, I didn't even listen to the radio from, I think from eighty nineteen eighty four to nineteen ninety. What what are you gonna learn on the radio that you're not gonna you're learn right. from MTV? So, uh, so Guns and Roses, uh, Sweet Child of Mine. That riff, dude. Which I happen to think is the best song in rock and roll ever. It has. <laughs> it isn't that without that that riff, though. Well, it doesn't matter. It has it. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> touche, right? Uh, I just think what whether you you think it's overplayed or you think it's not quite as hard as it should be or it's not soft enough. Sweet Child of Mine is to me is everything a rock song should be. Do you like Cheryl Crow's version? <laughs> a serious question i don't even like cheryl crow oh man uh, anyway. thanks for coming <laughs> uh what okay so uh, ju- just you know a handful of days before you gave me your records uh high school buddies text thread mm. um i don't know how it came up but appetite came up and somebody said uh when it comes to track listing it's the best of all time because you don't ever skip any tracks on that record? You don't skip a track. I I disagree. I think there's two on there that didn't really do much for me, and now I don't remember what they were. But uh, and and granted, um, you know that came out. I, I was I was fresh, uh, freshly inundated with the Led Zeppelin discography and the Aerosmith discography. So I did sit with that record and listen to it front to back many many times with the you know mm-hmm. liner notes open yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh and i so i know every song um i know the album really well but um you know there's a there's just not not every one is you know a plus mm-hmm. to me um i think that for me the big big surprise about that record was how good 
some of the non-hit tracks were <laughs> like Mr. Brownstone. Oh, I mean, yeah, fucking yeah. Mr. Brownstone is probably one of the best songs too. Fucking that just that chicka 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 sound like. Let me slash. Slash is. I get up around seven, get out of bed around nine. And it's saying, saying, yeah, and yeah, like, oh my God, he said motherfucker, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about, um, I mean, we could, if we had the luxury of time, we could spend a lot of it talking about that record. Yeah. Um, what about stuff after Guns N' Roses stuff after Appetite for you? I mean, there's some standout songs. I mean, uh, you know, Civil War is a fantastic song. You lose your use your illusions one and two are both. You like both of them in their entirety. Great. Not in their entirety, but there's just there there are winners from from each. Hundred percent. What about lies? Yeah, I think I think I'm a you know huge Guns N' Roses fan. I'm trying to think on lies. I think Duff McKagan has his song. Uh, wouldn't it? Uh, isn't it fun? Okay. And I believe that's lies. Um, the only thing I, I mean, I have, I still have it, but the only, the only thing I can recall is patience. Yeah. Um, which I great mean, song. It, it, you want to talk I about mean, bad at the pioneers of badassery that also yeah. kind of rewrote the book on, on the ballad they did. with that track. I mean, and, and to redo the Beatles the way they did. Yep. The, yep. Die, I mean, that was, Oh, yeah, that was so huge. Uh, don't cry. Great, oh, great God. song. And I think Axel, He's another front man, like I think as influential, if not a little bit more than Jim Morrison in, in his band's performance. I mean they are they aren't they aren't that great without Axel. And yeah. and the proof was Velvet Revolver, but Velvet Revolver was great. for the uninformed that's, Velvet that's Revolver. the super group with Scott Whelan from Stone Temple Pilots lead vocaling was with Slash and Duff McKagan. And okay. uh, playing guitar, I forget okay. who the drummer is on that. And they had some good hit. They had some good songs. They just, they just weren't Axel, right? You know, and Axel took this cringy persona, this redneck cringy persona, and made it really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, and it came with a fucking wagon full of pussy. It, I mean, we're oddly Stephanie enough, Stephanie Seymour. I, oddly enough, me? that. Goofy-looking red-haired kid from L.A. that dressed like he was from Kentucky, <laughs> pulls have the biggest s- supermodels of all time. And yes, I've seen him recently. Have you, have you seen the meme? <laughs> no. There's a meme where uh, a girl on Twitter, I think it is, is puts a picture of like late '80s Axel and is like, "What what would it take to find a man like this and make him mine?" And actually, Axel is like, he just says, "Hey." <laughs> and but it's a current picture and she's like beat it nerd or get lost and he's like no it's me and she's like i said get out of here he's like that's legitimately me <laughs> um so what did you get did you uh izzy stradlin and the juju hounds did you ever get into that record no i was I, I liked it shuffle it all was the the big track for me that stood out but uh but i mean i uh, did you spaghetti Incident, spaghetti incident, Chinese. Kind of, I, I got lost on spaghetti incident, you know. Okay, I think 1992 when Terminator came out, Judgment Day, that uh, you know, that you, um, you could be mine. Mm-hmm. Great song, yeah. I mean, very like for me, nostalgic because I remember watching that movie in the theaters and just that talk about that riff, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
that yeah. that drum line when it's it's going and, and it's just like picture like China oh. China sets shaking yeah. in the and I can I can see Arnold Schwarzenegger like on his motorcycle you know there and you it's, go so very very cool um, that's a good throwback for me but a spaghetti incident I, I started to get lost you know and that happened even with like Motley Crue when they started putting out these later albums I was like after Doctor Feelgood it was kind of like yeah right you know you, you so, kind of had your prime and and that was really really great but i don't know if i knew and forgot or learned it for the first time uh they they formed in 85 and tracy guns Mm -hmm. from la guns was Mm -hmm. the guitar player Mm -hmm. slash wasn't around yet Mm -hmm. um also and his for his given last name is something you know like burns or watt or something like that but his actual first name is tracy with a y and he changed it to Tracy with two eyes. Hmm. Tracy, I'm like, you're a fucking like, rock star, and you go Tracy with two eyes. Okay. Interesting. Um, so if you look at 85 to current, 28 lineup changes. Yeah. And Axel is listed as lead vocals for all of those, and it says clearly... That he's always been the. I was like, didn't the dude from like Extreme or or somebody fucking wasn't somebody in there for a second? I think that, that and I'm confused. I think there I'm may con- have been a tour where they took somebody else on tour, yeah. which obviously would bomb. I mean, why would somebody yeah. go on the go on the road without the show? You know, exactly. Um, so sixty nine, there's a big jump. Big jump. So there's a I, reason for that. And, and no, and it's totally cool. Uh, but I, like I said, I was on the road listening to Morrison Hotel and just thought, oh, all right. And then I'm like, I'm not really sure if I've ever listened to Deftones before, but I think because of you get three of the four initial letters in the band with Daft Punk that I just like looped them together. And I was like, we're going to get a little whack. Oh, interesting. And then the first track, I was like, oh my God, I have never listened to these guys before. <laughs> Super fucking aggressive. And like, I, I made it through three tracks and I was like, I, I gotta, I'm going to have to pause and come back. And I, so I did it coming home. I did you get to, to Passenger? I listened to the, yeah, I listened to the whole rest of the album and it is not for me. Yeah. Um, but that's totally okay because mm-hmm. there's, We've talked about plenty of records on here that are not for me. And right. um, man, also nine records. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, somewhere, somewhere in the middle ish. I guess it's their third or fourth, third or fourth. studio album. Um, you know, they, they had their, their breakout. Their, I think it was their second album. Their sophomore album was their big breakout. And that was mid 90s, I think. Okay. And that was the, <laughs> the super hard seven words, I think, was the, the big song from them. Um, and it's a mosh pit song that, that, you Did know, you used to get into pits? Yeah. Did you ever get bloodied? Oh yeah. And you'd go back for more? Yeah. You're fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, it was different back then. Well. I wouldn't do it now. I, I mean. But, but this one, this particular album spoke to me because I, I think in the, in the, in the early 2000s when this came out, rock was a joke. It was like fucking wasteland, joke. vapid, non, you know. Joke squeezing every cactus you can for a drop I mean, of water. it was really, it was really bad. And, uh, these guys stood out to me because I really like, I really like garage style, raw rock records, like energy and feedback. And you just, you know, there's, 
you know it's not overproduced. You know, these guys are just in it and they're they're pushing hard and they want their sound to carry hard and they wanna they wanna fuck you up with their songs. And that's Deftones to me, they're relentless. They will they are the the kind of guy that will keep punching you when you're down. I mean, they are they will go at you. Like their songs have all kind of this sexual energy to it. Mm-hmm. And you know sometimes you gotta peel away a couple layers to see that that's what it is though, yeah. I think. Like Passenger is about sex in a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Featuring fin- featuring Maynard. Maynard, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And then or Jay yeah, Maynard uh uh from from Tool, Keenan yep. James. Um it's an interesting story on that on why he even he's even on that record. Well, they were pretty heavily influenced by Tool, were they not? Well, they both both of them came out around the same time. Yeah. Um, and I think they appreciated each other. I think if you if you listen to the Deftones talk about Tool, they describe them as mathematical geniuses, and and in a way that their music isn't isn't just off the cuff. Mm-hmm. There's an equation to it's every riff. Yeah. There's yeah. An, and and it's more of when you go and you you don't go and jam with Tool. Tool figures out exactly what they're going to do. And they play it perfectly the first time because it's just how their mind works. Yeah. And he collabed with Maynard on this on this track because he was having a hard time coming up with a feel for it. And they were collabing, I think, on the album, and he brought him into the studio, and they were playing this song, and he starts with that that riff uh, for Passenger, and it's you know the the tone of it's a little thin. I think it's not as heavy, and it's you know it's distorted, but it's still on the lighter side, in my opinion. And he said that Maynard just started singing to it. Nice. And they all kind of just <laughs> stopped and was like, okay, I guess that's happening. That's, that's happening right now. And that's, wow. So they didn't, they didn't recruit him for the track. Um, they tried to put their own lyrics to it and, and make it solely their own. And they couldn't get, they couldn't get Maynard's lyrics and Maynard's voice out of their head. I bet. So they invited him back to 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 uh do that track. And talk about a, a an underrecognized, underplayed gem of a song. If every tool fan out there should go listen to Passenger, Passenger. by Deftones because sure. you know, it is it very much a, you know, a tool song. In, in in the way that that Maynard uh, does it, and it, you know that uh, that album also has digital bath on it, which is just hmm. futuristic and just. Uh, so so they took um, post hardcore trip hop shoegaze progressive rock post rock incorporated into their alternative metal sound. Blech. What? To, that's the that's, <laughs> so that's the a, to, to, to you know that's the. The lasso, that's a, the uh, genre description for for the approach to this album. That's somebody else's words. Mm-hmm. What uh, Moreno said was that uh, this was the first time that he wrote songs that weren't about him. He said, mm-hmm. I tried to take myself completely out. And he was like fabricating stories, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, is not only cool, but I think, you know, uh, probably pretty challenging. Yeah to okay forget about all of your life and everything like just let's make some shit up 
and but make it malleable to fit the music thing that we're doing mm -hmm. really cool uh other guest uh vocalist on that record scott wheeland oh yeah from R rx is prescription right, right. rx queen yeah whatever drug queen Dr dr oh that's what it means yeah okay interesting <laughs> um four months in the studio to get this mm -hmm. thing and that a lot of it was they were writing they, they didn't show up with shit written and they're just trying to record they were writing mm. uh best-selling deftones record to date yeah um uh when i finally was like okay i can this is change in the house of flies there you go and then i got home and and finished looking stuff i was like oh this is the 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 the, the, the hit. big hit yeah yeah i was like well and and you know uh it made sense to me because i feel like a lot of the rest of the record is not very accessible mm -hmm. i mean it's, uh, I you have to that, love the genre well i think I, you have to love I, the genre I, yeah. I tell you that um getting through the first three tracks um kind of, i had to turn it off for a reason and then when i put it back on today um it, I could feel that come up again, and you know what exactly to a T the feeling is? Is that feeling that we talked about before we started rolling of Stonewall versus Pursue. Mm. And it strikes a chord in it, you. It's all of it start, the screaming, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not, you know, I've always been anti like power chord screaming, kind mm -hmm. of that flavor of punk or whatever, hard, whatever you want to call it, because it doesn't. If to me it it feels like a thing that a lot of people could just kind of pick up and do, even if you only know four chords on a on a plugged in guitar, um, and so it doesn't. It's never really felt like you know artistic and creative and unique and blah blah blah. But but I learned listening to this that that's really what it is. It's because energy. Yeah. It's that. So you, if I were to try and sing along with that, I I would feel my vocal cords, you know, not appreciating it. I, you know, a lot of stuff in my gut that would start to bubble up. That is that very feeling of, mm -hmm. if you don't stop trying to pick a fight with me, you know, I'm going to give you a fat lip kind mm -hmm. of, and I, like, I don't, I can't sit with that energy. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't steer me in the direction of euphoria where I want to go. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know, but to each his own, obviously. Um, so, so White Pony is street for cocaine. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever been a fan of that stuff? You know, I, like anybody growing up in the <clears throat> 90s and 80s, I've, I've tried the, the, the basics, mm -hmm. tried mm -hmm. cocaine. Yeah. Uh, and? I'm, you know, I'm trying Did to Did you enjoy that. it? Or like I, think, I think I'm a pretty high energy guy in general. Uh -huh. And so I think <laughs> cocaine was a little dangerous for me. I, oh, like, you know, um, wasn't my drug of choice. My my drug of choice would it had would ha back in the nineties when it. And I would just keep that in mind because things were different back in the nineties when For it came, sure. to, came to drugs. Uh, was MDMA, which ecstasy Ooh. and uh, Rogan's a huge fan of. Yeah, and um, and marijuana. I mean, those were those were really the only things I did. I mean, if I was going out to a club or if I was going out where I wanted to meet girls and ecstasy was kind of the that would break down every single wall that i had and it would just be like hey you're cute uh, hello how let's hug <laughs> <laughs> do you have some water or gum let's hug um and then you know coming down from that high it's easy to break out a j and sit down on the couch sure, and sure. yeah uh, so really 
that's kind of the extent of what what I've ever dabbled in. I've got a few quotes. Uh, Billboard, the band's continuous inclination toward a bludgeoning, (laughs) experimental, sonic attack, and Moreno's violent, impressionistic lyrics made the album a tough pill to swallow for most listeners. Interesting. BBC Music, this is a difficult album. Now I cherry-picked that phrase out of a larger thing because it fit with the first one. Uh, But then Clash Magazine said the album changed everything, not just for Deftones, but for metal as a whole. And that's what I I think about that. uh, Grammy, they won a Grammy for Elite as best uh, metal performance in 2001. Um, And then they just fucking kept going, man. They they just released an album uh, in 2019. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So how did they wind up in your lap? I kind of, you know, I, I I don't know if you know this. I was in a band um, right out of high school. I was, I'm a guitar player. Still? Um, no. Okay. Do I you have, own one? Yeah. Okay. Multiple. Sure. But haven't had the time to play. Yeah, no. And I say that because I'd be respectful of people that play the guitar. Yeah. Uh, because I know how hard it is. And it's I a know discipline. It, yeah, it is a discipline. And if you, you don't use it, you lose it for sure. It's like so a foreign language or It's not like riding a bike. Let's just put it that way. Right. Uh, I play, I, I pick it up from time to time and, you know, um, working on Master of Puppets right now just to kind of re-engage because I got re-interested in that. But Once uh, a week? More than once a week? Or lately more than once a week. But, you know, I go through... I'm hot and cold with it, you know, because of what I do for yep, a living and, yep. and, and that's kind of, that's just the way it is. But, sure. uh, in 1994, I formed a band called uh, deep shag and we were all original, very heavily influenced by tool. And, no um, shit. really I was lead guitarist, lead vocalist. No way you can play and sing at the same time. It's really tough. Uh, yeah. And, uh, we played a couple of really parties and a couple of shows. And sure. Then some of those members decided to leave, and then I got some. Are you new- still still in Utah? Yeah, still okay. in Utah. And then I formed another band about 1996, which is the one we went the furthest with, and that was called Mr. Roper. <laughs> like Three's Company. Yes. yes. And you know, I tell you, if you've ever been in a band, or if anybody listening's ever been in the band, I think the hardest thing to do is pick a band name. It's got to be the hardest thing to do, and we would go we would go round and round about band names all the time, and we settled on we I I wanted Furley Roper I was I wanted Furley Roper people didn't like the Furley so we settled on Mister Roper, and we were a five piece band I was not lead I was not vocals on this one as backup vocals in this band we we had a singer actually we had a we had a studio we practiced in it was at a place called Downtown Music we rented this like warehouse space that. We had all our equipment. It was like we were playing a show. Every practice, we were like playing a show. And we got really good. And we started playing at some of the premier bars in Salt Lake City. And we started, you know, paid, making some paid money. Paid gigs. Yeah, nice. Paid gigs. Um, we were fortunate to open for a, in a big festival where Everclear and Live played. And Dang. we got to meet those guys. And we kind of like a, you know, they were showcasing some, some local bands, some of the better local bands. We were part of that. Uh, so I was a guitarist and, uh, I'm not a great guitarist. Okay. So back to what you were saying, I love power chords mm. because they sound good and they're full energy. Mm-hmm. And our sound was a little bit of kind of tool meets deftones, um, you know, maybe meets 
Stone Temple Pilots. And I say that because we had a really great bass player. Stone Temple Pilots has a, had a fantastic bass really? player. Really? Okay. Yeah. He, was wa- he was walking those frets. If you listen to a Stone Temple Pilots, yeah. you know, if you listen to the Purple, the purple album, uh, he's, he's walking the frets and every song. I mean, he's just really, he's really great. Nice. And our bass player was really influenced by, by him. And it was, so we kind of had this little bit of funk, but then we had this post hardcore kind of sound and we didn't have a great singer. He wasn't, he wasn't, uh, his voice wasn't very melodic. So he would resort to more of the gruff kind of. Sure. And so we, we just kind of had this sound and then, you know, we were looking for, for inspiration and, and like, like sound and, and deaf tones. Like when we're going to concerts and we're, you know, we're, we're seeing the people that we're seeing, uh, deaf tones open, what did they open for? It wasn't tool. It was, um, I can't remember who it was from. Maybe it was, I don't think it was Candlebox. I can't remember who they opened for, but they opened for somebody that was fairly big. And I remember, we all would we'd go to shows as a as a band, and interesting. Uh, and I, I remember you know, and we, it was it was interesting because I'd watch the guitar players and the singer'd watch the singer. We'd all sure. kind of take away. And we were just you guys are you studying. Know, yeah, we're studying and we're learning. And Deftones really like. We were like, oh, those guys are fucking cool. Yeah, man. They were so just cool. Did they land in your lap because you were in a band, or did, did somebody turn you on to them, or nobody turned us on to them? It was we were there to see. Was it Rage? It was Rage Against the Machine. It was Rage Against the Machine. We were there to see Rage Against the Machine and Deftones open for him. Whoa. Um, Probably a pit or two at that show. <laughs> that's, a big, that's a big show. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. I mean, King, one of the best guitarists ever. And, and I think, like, for for a totally different reason than Slash, I think Tom Morello's got this funk blues. He can put a riff together and make you, you know, pull something out of his ass. Yeah. Right. But. But Deftones spoke to me because I love that, like I said earlier, I love that garage sound, sure. that, like raw garage yeah. sound and that full energy. I mean, I listen to Deftones in the car. That's, I mean. I listen to them when I work out and. Um, that feels safer than in the car. <laughs> <laughs> There's another album, Koi no Yokan, which is Japanese for something. I can't remember if that Deftones has. It's another one of my really regular playlists. I think it was 2012 that came out. But uh Deftones just, uh, it has like, to me, it's funny you said it's not approachable because to me, it's the most approachable. I, I said it's less accessible. Accessible, excuse me. But for me, it's like the most approachable. Which which means you're taking all of the music listeners mm-hmm. and you've lumped them in and how many, you know, what percentage of that pie can can and will gravitate towards that? Oh, A yeah, lot sorry. of people won't. No, right? certainly. If it's in the car and but, it's if it's in the car and my girlfriend gets in and she's like, really? Do we have to listen to them? I'm like, no, we'll put on what you want to listen to. But uh We'll turn it to the Fun Hater channel. You know, I'm a I'm a big Chevelle fan. Uh I love Chevelle. Uh Deftones, definitely Metallica. You know, you're seeing a pattern here of these like these big power bands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tool. I'm a I'm a tool fan to a point. I just I like tool, but to me, tool's not as accessible. As, Interesting. As Deftones. Well, there you, I think you, you get back into the, all that calculated and numbers yeah. things, and to this me, is the it's way just it goes. Not, it's just not a performance. Yeah. It's a, okay. And one of the things that drives me nuts about Tool is I want them to keep going, whether it's. They ripcord? Yeah. Whether it's like, a, whether it's a chorus, like, can I get another round of that chorus? That was so good. Or can I do it? 
you know, they leave you like, what, what happened? You know? Um, but I mean, there's a lot of tool lovers out there. Oh man. A Um, lot. And I, I don't, I think they're a great band. Don't get me wrong. So Uh, you, you said something, um, when I mentioned 698703, you're like, there's a reason for that. So did you select this album deliberately? So, I, yeah, because I think in the 90s, what are you going to do in the 90s? Who who are you going to pick in the you 90s? Got, you got uh, grunge exploding. You got the jam yeah. band scene exploding. Which, you got, neither, which would neither one I really appreciate. Of course. Right? right. I mean, so if you look at like the albums, like, I'm a rock fan, but I'm not a grunge fan. Sure. Um, and then jam bands, I'm I'm not a fan. Right. No. Um, so in the '90s, when electronic music started to hit, that spoke to me. That was interesting because, and you know, I'm not the only metalhead that that's happened to, because I, I've got a, another friend of mine who's a total metalhead. Uh, but when the 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 electronic music came out with the BPMs of like 130 beats a minute and all this like layering going on he gravitated it to it as well, well. um I, I said the deuce deuce at the top of the episode because this is 22 uh 21 was a local is a local drummer in a, in a couple different bands and the electronic thing came up and, and I, I was like have you ever listened to blah 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 and blah blah and he's like no so I, I made a list of things i sent him some things and one of the albums that i sent him is a record from 1996 and before i sent it to i used to listen to it a lot in college uh, I, I just kind of ran through all the tracks again. And one of my favorite things about doing this, is, I mean, I love the whole thing, but I will pick like the, the purpose is for us to talk about your music. Um, but I will pick uh, intro and outro audio for each episode. And it's totally random how I wind up landing. It's for, I, I thought I had it figured out, but then it just kept surprising me. <laughs> And so, and it's, it sucks because, um, a lot of stuff gets copyright claimed by YouTube. Sure. So if this were ever to be something that was monetizable, all the episodes that have copyright claims, I get none of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I I keep it, I keep both to 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. So, and it's crazy because a lot of these episodes are like three, three and a half, four hours long. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking, I'm giving three, let's just call it three hours of original content and it's bookended by 10 seconds and 10 seconds and that gets, the algorithm mm-hmm. finds it and mm-hmm. says, nope. But, uh, so I'm running through this record from 1996 and I hit this one, I hit a couple tracks in particular and it, boom, I was like, I'm using that for Christian Joseph. So it's weird that you like bring yeah. up 90s electronic and for some reason, I mean, I don't know if it's just because that it was on the brain that you were next and I had you on the books or, or what, but I was like, oh, that's a really good fit. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, um, t- t- it'll be in October, it'll be 10 years that I've been here. Um, and there were different neighbors, heirloom wasn't there, and different neighbors. Um, but two doors down um, had just had their third boy. And uh, we were getting ready to have our second kid and kind of this whole, like, oh, my God, how do you do it? And the mom famously to us said, oh, you, you haven't figured it out yet? It's just a, a, a lower level of expectations. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way. <laughs> and so and they're both they're high school sweethearts and blonde as the day is long. So they're two boys, super blonde. And my daughter like f- fell in love with them and started calling them the neighbor boys. 
Mm. And so, you know, but they're, at first they're carrying this it's new- It's a great band name, by the way. That's where I'm going with this, <laughs> <Okay>. God damn it. <laughs> so, so they're carrying this baby, and eventually this baby, as babies are wont to do, becomes a toddler who like has unique and identifiable features, and eventually we're like, oh, the baby's name is Jacob. And um, Adeline is just, every time she sees, she's just smitten with the neighbor boys. And eventually um, I said something about, you know, telling a story or whatever. She's within earshot and I'm like, they have three. And she's like, what do you mean they have three? I'm like, well, they have their two older and then they have Jacob. And, you know, so in essence, Jacob is a neighbor boy. And she goes, no, he is not. It's Jacob and the neighbor boys. And I was like, that's the best band name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> J- Jacob and the neighbor boys. Right? Yeah. Oh, man. We got to get you out of here. Um, but this is really fun. Thank yeah, you for the time. Um, if you want to plug anything or tell people to visit a certain. No. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, I don't know if they know my background, but I own two restaurants in Kansas City, and that's kind of why we referenced uh, some of the things we referenced but right it, uh, are those restaurants visible online oh or yeah yeah do you uh, want to sit is there a reason folks should go to one versus the other or yeah so it's uh it's plate restaurant you know there's one in brookside kansas city missouri there's one in uh leewood kansas and uh if you want to visit us for lunch come out to leewood and you know that's open for lunch uh six days a week but you know it's largely the same menu um Oh really? Yeah. We, now, we, we, is one if there are batch recipes that exist at both, are are both sticking to them, or are they allowed a little bit of? That's the challenge. Oh, so man. consistency is the the hardest thing when you when you duplicate. Um, and I think I have the right chefs in place, and um, I think we're ninety five percent there. But there there are personal touches at each place by, by the chefs that operate each place. And, and now so. I don't, uh, get a good look often, but, uh, occasionally I'll get a good look at Brookside's outdoor dining. And, and the feel that I get is that that was a good call. Yeah. Outdoor dining. Oh yeah. I mean, forget about COVID. No, if but you, it just in general, I mean, it's a great patio. It's, it's shaded. It's North facing. It's so yeah. is there outdoor dining at, at least? There is. Okay. There is, and, yeah. People people love some outdoor dining. In people that love neck of the to woods. sit. Yep, they love to sit outside. Um, last thing is, uh, I remember um, that you were really really excited about this um, new um, online reservation company when you were opening Brookside. That was sort of doing things different than your token mm-hmm. number one and number two. Did that pan out to be? Yeah, unfortunately, no. Oh, I mean, okay. you know, we 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 went with number one, <laughs> which was open table. We okay. went with, we went with those guys. And, now and, there yeah. were there were a couple of reasons that you had dog eared for why yeah. open table wasn't the bee's knees. Yeah, but did those kind of dr- just not become an issue for you anymore? Or well, you know, I think um, volume cures everything. You know, and so if you've got the right revenue, you can pretty much do what you want. For us, I think starting out early on, Open Table was it was a hard percentage of sales to to wrap our heads around per diner. Um, you know, meaning we, the cut they're taking. Yeah, we okay. we pay we pay per diner, and so the other company was really created to to offset that and and to really recruit, but they don't have the same marketing outreach that 
open table does. So it's, yeah, sure you're saving money, but you're not getting as many diners. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, one of those did things. Did you learn that pretty early on and, and jump ship or did Yeah, it... fairly early. Okay. I think okay. we, I think we tried the, the other competitor there for about four or five months and okay. we just realized we should be busier than this. And right. we, we, we were right. And what, we were, so when you made the switch, was it pretty quickly visible? I mean, we, yeah, we increased by 20%, probably right off the bat. And then we kept increasing. Yikes. So, yeah. But. So, uh, open table to make a reservation for plate Leewood or plate Brookside. Right. I'm assuming there's some kind of social media presence where folks yep. can see we, stuff. You can find us on Instagram, uh, plate.kc okay. and, uh, find us, uh, yeah, on the, do you have a person that's handling all we that? We do. Okay. Uh, Anna Petro handles that for us. Um, not for free. I'm assuming. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you figured out which the which are of the restaurant expenses? Which what are the free things in the world of restaurant touring? Which which ones are they? I can't remember. I hope this is free. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but it's not. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, no, there's you know that being in the restaurant business is it's probably one of the most unforgiving businesses you can be in. I mean, it is nonstop, nonstop. Yeah. But, I love it and I'm passionate about it and we still want to grow. So, right. you know, good things on the horizon, right? Good things on the horizon. Uh, you know, if things keep going the way they're going, we'd like to open another one, possibly Lee summit. We are really thinking about going out of state, you know, uh, regionally, but you know, expanding our reach out a little bit and seeing what happens. So, cool. So. Well, we got to get you into one of those buildings, if not, both of them yeah. as soon as we're done here. So thanks yeah. again for the time. Um, so at some point, you know, uh, I might wind up at a spot where, uh, there's some folks that have done an episode and we've talked some albums, but m maybe I might like to have them back to talk about one or two more. So I'd love it. Um, I'd really, love to. really yeah. appreciate you committing and being here and it's, it's all about getting buns in the chair. So yeah, man. thanks, man. Thank you. Talk to you. All right.